0: Welcome to PR360, where every week the brightest minds in public relations, communications, and media discuss the topics and trends you need to know about. PR360 was produced in partnership with Global Results Communications. Now here's your host, Todd Perry. Welcome back to PR360. My guest today is Matt Creighton. The founder and principal of Publix. He provides counsel to campaigns at the local, state, and federal levels, as well as to clients in the private and public sectors. Most recently, Matt worked on special projects during the 2020 presidential campaign, helping to create President Joe Biden's We Did That hat. He is currently an adjunct professor at Centenary University's business department, teaching its first of a kind social media program. So, uh, Matt, is there anything I've missed? No, I think you nailed it. That's uh, that's me in a nutshell. Good, good. I, uh, no more, no less. That's you in uh, your entirety. That's it. I'm very one-dimensional. Good. You know, <laughs> that's fine. You know, as long as you're good in that one dimension, it's all that matters. There you go. I do play golf. So there
1: you go. There's some separate, uh, you know, little personality there for you. <laughs> okay, good.
0: I It's funny. I had a guest uh, just recently, and I know he was a very good golfer because he was like, well i used to be pretty good he did that and normally golfers always always say they're much worse than they actually are i feel
1: yes that is uh that is a common affliction among golfers i will say though that uh when i say um i used to be better i i really truly mean that in uh in in deep in my heart <laughs> it's, okay uh, good it, it wasn't pretty yeah it's it hasn't been pretty but it's fun so you can't complain yeah. right
0: Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. I I love to play myself. But when the guy said, I used to be pretty good, I was like, oh, that guy must have been really good if he says it that way. Um, That's right. So, Matt, can you tell us a bit about how politics bridges the gap between politics and business?
1: Sure. That's a really good question. So. You know, we we uh, started out in in the political space. Um, I started actually as sort of a solo act, doing a lot of campaigns, um, and uh, over the years have transitioned. You know, as our team has grown to doing uh, both political uh, and then what I call political adjacent, and then uh, non political work, uh, corporate work. Mm. Uh, but what we've come to realize over the last couple of years is that almost everything has some sort of political dimension now. Um, right. I mean, I, I think it's, it's very much uh, indicative of the cultural moment that we're in. So what we do is we, we help our clients uh, in, in, in the cases where, where they need to communicate on a hot button issue or something that does have a political dimension. Uh, we, we help our clients try to navigate that in a way that's consistent with their values, their, their, uh, overall message, their brand, um, and, um, and and again, trying to keep that consist- consistency across the board with all other uh, communications, marketing, and marketing um, uh, um, uh, marketing efforts uh, across the organization. So, so that's really how we how we try to help uh, b- bridge the gap when when needed, and also identify opportunities, perhaps to, uh, to to weigh in on on certain things.
0: So, what kind of help are they looking for specifically? Like, what are the types of issues that companies are having a hard time navigating or just need some assistance?
1: Sure. So I, I think that there, well, there, there are a number of, there are a number of things. So I'll start in, in, uh, sort of the broad sense of, of looking at, uh, what we've referred to, at uh, you know, historically as ESG initiatives. Uh, so that has, uh, so environments, uh, social and governance initiatives at, uh, at different corporations, um, and companies, brands, organizations, and, um, recently that principle right that that uh that organizations and brands and and companies uh, should be more about than just making a profit but also mm-hmm. doing social good uh has come under increased scrutiny uh by certain uh elements of, of on the along the political spectrum I'll I'll say so um but at the same time, I think uh, a lot of uh, sort of corporate leaders and, and folks in the C-suite acknowledge that it is absolutely necessary for their organization to weigh in on on certain things, especially where it's consistent with their brands, uh, and and make efforts to to do better for for the world uh, and and the consumers that they serve. So, so there's this this tension between um, things becoming polarized and politicized uh, versus um, actually doing, doing the right thing. So I I think navigating that is, is an extraordinarily difficult, uh, challenge for, for a lot of brands. Um, you know, some, uh, companies and, and executives have taken to to speaking about ESG in a different way or sort of, uh, calling it something different, right. Just to kind of Mm -hmm. shift focus. But, but, um, you know, I, I think overall, you know, the principle still remains that like, you know, we do actually have to do things that are good for the environment, right. Try to preserve our, um, our environment, because if there is no, no environment, no planet to live on, then there is no economy. Right. And I think that's, right. that's part of the the issue that people are starting to realize. So it's ESG. It's also, um, you know, being able to market to different groups, uh, potentially that, um, you know, brands, uh, you know, specific brands have not, uh, been able to reach out to in the past. So they try something new, um, you know, they, they engage with different influencers. Uh, Sometimes that goes well, sometimes that doesn't go so well. So, (laughs) you know, we, we get the call, you know, in, in both of those, both of those scenarios. Um, and it's sort of also then just kind of helping, uh, provide a bird's eye view of, of what, uh, you know, the American public is thinking in any given moment about specific issues as well. That way, you know, we kind of have an idea of, of what we're dealing with. So, so I would say those are, those are the sort of broad buckets of, of things that we look at uh, from a political perspective with with our clients uh, or or you know i should say like pol- non political or political adjacent clients,
0: can you think of an example getting back to the e s g when um, a company inserted themselves into something political politically adjacent and did a good job of it, uh, specifically maybe you know one of your clients.
1: The uh, the most successful campaigns uh, that that you see, or most successful efforts to uh, you know speak out on various issues, are the ones that are that are already consistent with the brand, right? And picking mm-hmm. your spots. So I think one of the most important things is you don't have to swing at every single pitch. Um, you know, brands are what they are, right? If you make a yeah. certain widget or a certain product or whatever it is. Um, and that's got absolutely nothing to do with, uh, that, you know, the message that you're putting out there, you're really putting yourself in, in a bad spot potentially. Um, so I think, you know, just maintaining, uh, overall consistency, understanding your consumer too. That's a huge piece of, of the puzzle that I think is, is undervalued. Um, really paying attention to the demand in, in the marketplace for, um, you know, certain messages, certain, um, approaches to different issues. So understanding your core audience, um, and then, uh, you know, understanding, uh, whether or not, uh, your marketing efforts are going to be compatible with expanding that audience potentially to, to new groups, um, new demographics. Uh, you know, so I think those are things that, uh, you know, I would say the most successful campaigns start with, with a concerted effort to really listen to, to your customers.
0: Do you ever find yourself in one of these situations and just think, you know, actually the best thing is for the company to stay away from that issue?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, some of the best... some some of some of the best advice I think sometimes is to do nothing. Uh, so there's this sort of famous story, uh, for the, uh, and I may be misattributing this a, a little bit. So and paraphrase I am paraphrasing, but the uh, sort of father of uh, public relations or, or is understood to be the father. of This guy Edward Bernays, right? Um, mm-hmm. He uh, there was a famous story I believe it was him where uh, you know the, a client had called him in to deal with the specific problem that they were having. Uh, you know, they gathered the board, all the executives, they sat down in this big room and they said, well, Edward, what, what do you think we should do about this particular problem? And he walks in and says, you should do nothing. <laughs> and, and the CEO the CEO, was like, what do you mean nothing? Like we're paying you a ton of money to come up with ideas right like and it took you 2 2 minutes to come up with this idea of do nothing like what yeah. what are we paying you for and he's like well you could find out what happens when you do something do the wrong thing and then calculate how much that'll cost you versus right. doing nothing and then we can talk about my value right so th- that's something that kind of stuck mm-hmm. stuck with me whether or not I'm telling that 100% accurately but i think the principle is very applicable across the board uh that Yeah, sometimes it does make sense to do nothing, uh, particularly when it's it's not something that uh, is is entirely in line with with your brand uh, overall, Um, you know, or it's just not something that you deal with or. Um, you know, taking a risk that's that's perhaps not worth it because ev- everything is becoming way more polarized than it once was. So you, you do have to be careful about that. Now, sometimes you can't avoid it, though, too. So,
0: yeah, yeah
1: again, there, there are moments where you where you can't avoid it. If you're a very public facing consumer facing brand, it's it's hard to avoid all all things controversial.
0: So let's see here. What's something that when businesses that are kind of politically adjacent um, enter into the political sphere, what's something that they don't understand or that what's a common thing that you have to counsel them on?
1: So th- I think this is a really undervalued element of dipping your toe into the political waters or controversial topics or, or things that are considered controversial, uh, at least among you know the chattering class right Uh, whereas you know among the american public certain things are not all that actually all that controversial majority of americans think one thing or the other um whereas you know the the various um you know uh, personalities that are out there will try to turn it into a thing but i think this is a really undervalued uh undervalued element of of dipping your toe into the waters which is you have to commit if you decide to do something you decide to speak to a particular issue you may not do it perfectly there may be backlash but it's almost always worse to then backpedal in a way that makes you look weak or uh you know in a way that undermines your brand or your integrity right that that's the thing Mm. it's like why are you even saying anything to begin with if you're not prepared (laughs) to commit to that to that viewpoint so i i think that's a huge thing and I, i use this analogy so i i um in addition to uh, playing a little golf, I used to, I will say this, like now that I'm older, it's just a little, this <laughs> is a little, uh, risk, a riskier proposition these days, but I used to surf, right? Like, so, uh, and I'd go out and, you know, uh, in East Coast, right? I'm, I'm up in New Jersey, but every now and then you get a hurricane coming and it would kick up some, some bigger waves. Uh, not, nothing compared to, you know, the stuff that the pros do, but you know, you, you like to think, you know, you're, you're something special <laughs> out there, you know, yeah. when you're younger, but you know, we go out and, um, the, and the lesson that you learn very quickly is that if, if you are out there and you're paddling for a big wave, uh, and you don't commit to it, uh, you're, you're going to get way more hurt than mm-hmm. if you, even if you commit to it and fall off your board. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you kind of like, Oh no. And you try to stop halfway through, you're really going to, you're going to get dragged under, you're going to get beat up by the, uh, by the ocean a bit. Whereas, you know, mm-hmm. if you commit, you're either, riding riding the wave out and it you know it's it goes great best ride of your life or you know you'll be able to kind of pop out in the other side but if you're if you're kind of wavering that's that's where people really really get hurt if you cannot commit to uh, that particular strategy or message uh, there's no reason that you should be doing it in in the first place Uh, because it does the backtracking then you know you shoot your credibility with the people you're trying to reach with that message as well so not only have you angered some other element, maybe even in certain circumstances, your, your core audience. Now you're, you're angering the audience you're trying to reach. So you've, you've effectively made nobody happy, which is not a good, not a good move.
0: It reminds me of, there was a recent kind of, I guess, a a PR disaster with the LA Dodgers um, over that LGBTQ night and like pride night. And so then, you know, so then they they invited a rather controversial group to come and be honored at the the thing. So uh, they they upset a whole swath of of people who like the team who are, are religious. Got very upset about this. So then the team disinvited, and then everybody got mad that they were being anti LGBTQ. And then and then this went back and forth, and they could not really satisfy anybody in the thing. But it was like if they just would have committed in the first place, you know the the problem would have ran dry pretty quickly, but the waffling of going back and forth, inviting, disinviting just inflamed the entire situation. It looks horrible.
1: I mean, that's, that's, that's a perfect example of, of not being able to commit to something. Um, and, and at the end of the day, uh, a lot of the, the chatter, but you know, anti, you know, uh, pride chatter out there isn't really going to hurt you, you know, too much. It's just, it's, 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 it's Noise, but it's. I think ultimately, like, you, if you're going to do it, you got to commit to it. Um, and and yeah, the the vacillating is is certainly the the worst part of it.
0: I think you said you touched on something really important a second ago. as you were talking about quote the chattering classes, and the whole idea that maybe people are in media, people who are hyper online, um, we think that you know Twitter is the gospel of of the world, and then when you you go back and you take a global view. Um, this is kind of like a circular conversation that eighty percent of the country doesn't care about nor is involved in. Um, but the the media class is 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 really uh, connected to it. So uh, it seems to me like there's a huge disconnect, and people tend not to go wrong when they go with the realizing that the eighty percent of people aren't engaged in any of it. You know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's right. Like I, I do think that we potentially overvalue, um o- overvalue the opinions or or thoughts that uh, very online people have, right? And we and we mm-hmm. tend to overestimate the number of people that are spending their time uh you know neck deep in these very uh sort of obscure, almost sometimes obscure cultural tug tugs of war, right? Where where mm-hmm. you're kind of in, <laughs> so it's it's very funny. To think about it, because like once you get offline um, and, and, you know, touch grass, as it were, right, <laughs> to use a user, user phrase a lot of people are uh, using these days, you know, you get out there, you touch grass, get some fresh air. You realize that like most people walking down the street are not aware of the heave ho of, of most of the uh, sort of cultural uh, battle points uh, that that, you know, we're, we're concerned with. Like Most people are just kind of living their lives. They're trying to figure out, you know, how, how do they uh, put dinner on the table? How do they. um you know, they're worried about their job, their families, things like that. They're not sitting on on Twitter, you know, seething over one thing or the <laughs> other. Now, there is a subset, right? Like there are a subset of people or people who hang out in these Facebook groups that, you know, spend most of their day uh, kind of raging about one thing or the other. But uh, m- most people are not in that camp. Um, and, and I think us as practitioners, right, we do spend a lot of time in those spaces because they are. They are, in one sense, very culturally relevant, but then also uh, they, they do represent a, a pretty uh, narrow
0: slice of, of the overall populace. Tell me a bit about how you work for the Biden campaign in 2020, making a really cool piece of merch. <laughs>
1: uh, this is a kind of funny story. So uh, so what we were doing during the campaign is we were working with uh, a couple folks on um, Sort of special projects in in different places you know pennsylvania uh, primarily was was one of our uh, targets where we did quite a bit of work uh developing collateral and uh, communications around various endorsers you know celebrity endorsers uh a- athletes you know things like that um which was a lot of fun to do um now uh th- you know that campaign was uh unique in that it was it was really the first and i and i hope uh, and for, for most, for re- some reasons, the only 100 uh, percent online campaign, right, <laughs> where, mm. where we were dealing with this pandemic. And yeah. um, we're still trying to, you know, navigate, um, you know, what, uh, what what to do and sort of the public health emergency. So so that but at the same time, that offered a lot of opportunities as well, where we were able to get uh a lot of folks in different places into one spot online to participate in in various endorsements or or roundtables or things like that, uh, which which I thought was um, was definitely a lot of fun. You can't do that physically because everyone you can't be in a thousand places at once physically. So it, it really did help online to to be able to pull pull folks in that way. Um, now, the uh, the the we just did hat was was sort of a funny, um, funny thing. So we we're sitting nervously awaiting the, uh, the final, uh, results from, uh, Pennsylvania in particular. So we were, we were, uh, sweating it out. Like I think, well, a good, good chunk of America. Well, almost, I guess all of America is sweating it out in one way or another, but yeah. you know, for, for different reasons, but we were, you know, sitting there waiting for that. And, uh, the night before, uh, it, it started to become clear just based on on the numbers where outstanding votes were, uh, you know, and, and the way that those, those votes were breaking, especially the vote by mail, votes that uh joe biden would be the next president of the united states um so i have to give a lot of credit to the uh to the other folks that were working with us um on on that particular project so so uh someone had had the idea like well what if we what if we just create a hat Hmm. you know that uh that's sort of an answer right to the to the maga hat that that was so prevalent for years you know that big bright red maga hat so um yeah so, you know, we, we started going back and forth on designs and uh, different things. And, you know, we came up with this, like, you know, make America great again. We just did. Now, the interesting thing about this was it wasn't really meant to be this big viral kind of sensation. Um, in fact, it was it was very much like an inside joke um, because, mm. uh, you know, the campaign uh, was it was a challenging campaign on on a lot of levels. Um, you know, and and obviously I bring a specific viewpoint as to why that was challenging but it was it was a tough campaign um so you know we were just thinking let's you know let's blow off some steam you know we just did that'll be funny or whatever so we we made the hat got a whole bunch of them uh made up the night before uh the the speech in um the the the, uh victory speech and uh you know gave them out to a bunch of people Uh, so if you watch the cnn broadcast actually or any of the other broadcasts, you'll see like a couple of people in the uh in the crowd there wearing the hat, which is which is kind of funny. But oh. what end, what ended up uh really kicking the thing off though was the uh the president put it on oh, in an Instagram yeah. photo uh with uh with the first lady and um and it's it's sort of a funny thing where you wouldn't even notice it right like he just had it on took the picture and somebody on tiktok i think that's where it all kind of kicked off somebody on tiktok got the joke and that's where it spread like wildfire after that so they're like we just did are they trolling are they trolling the maga hat (laughs) So it's sort of like a funny funny thing because we didn't expect we didn't really expect uh it it to take off that way or anyone to actually notice it because it was such a small thing i mean like when you look at the photo it's um it's still up on instagram you You know, you see the sign like, you know, the president lives here uh, with the first lady and and, uh, President Biden. And um, and those are the things that you would notice. But he's wearing the hat and then some sleuth just picked it out. and Like, oh, that's that's funny. Yeah. So so then it spread like wildfire went uh, viral. I think like Conan O'Brien did like a a segment on it or something. And Uh um, yeah, it got picked up in GQ. and, uh, And and, you know, the continuing joke of the whole thing is we didn't really even talk about it afterwards. So people are like, oh, who did this? Are you trolling? Or are you not like trying to get the, the real story behind the hat? And it was like, it was pretty funny. So I think this may be the first time anyone's actually you know, talking, talking about it um, out loud. But we kind of just like left it alone and and, uh, and it spread, which is a good lesson that sometimes like you, the, the best stuff, the best content is not intentionally viral. It's it's actually, uh, you know, something very subtle. And this was very so I did not think anyone was going to get the joke. So it was, it was fun.
0: So, how did the president get the hat
1: uh so so people that were are very close to him uh gave gave him the hat yeah so uh, as as a gift um which which is really how the whole thing kind of kind of started yeah <laughs> so it was a, sort of as a gift and he and he put it on and um and again i just don't I don't think anyone thought that anyone would really get get the joke um yeah. but they did, so there you go, yeah, thank no. you, internet. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, I think when it comes to politics, you, as the saying goes, you can't not not communicate, right? And so uh, just obviously people are going to look into every little movement done by a politician, especially somebody uh, on that level and try to interpret it. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I was just thinking, you know, um, in my other job, I I do, uh, I work as a writer for a company called Upworthy. And with Upworthy, we are, you know constantly creating you know stuff that hopefully goes viral and you know your story is kind of proves the fact that you can never try to make anything go viral what but if you make something that is quality that is a benefit to people or people react to then something can go viral you know people come to us all the time and they say can you make this go viral can you make our story go viral you're like do you have a good story you know, do you, are you saying something? Is there a benefit to people? Then maybe it can go viral. And I think your hat is a perfect example of the unintentional virality of a great joke.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that that's sort of one of the, the things, uh, again, like uh, practitioners and uh, consultants and folks in the political sphere hear a lot of is, how, to your point, how can we make this go viral or make me go viral? And and you know if i had a nickel for every time i had to say well you know that's not exactly how that works um, you know we we wouldn't be having to do this anymore <laughs> it wouldn't have to work anymore um but it does it does kind of incorporate i mean there are certain elements of of a viral piece of content um that that exists more or less across the board again not everything catches fire because a little bit of a little bit of it is or or a large part of it is timing and um really timing and a little bit of luck in, involved mm-hmm. in in some of these things going going viral but um but you know for this it was it was funny right so like humor sells yeah. uh, i oh, think yeah. uh it was unexpected right because the, for the most part the um the the campaign did a really good job of of not being overly trolly or or just mm-hmm. you know trolly enough to get the attention so it would have been so it was a little out of I don't want to say out of character, but it was unexpected. Right. It was something that was a surprise. So like surprises, you know, sell like, oh, you won't believe what happened here. And then, you know, and then I think the uh, the allure of the whole thing, right, actually not knowing exactly what the hat meant, like everyone kind of knew what it meant, but they didn't know what it meant for sure. Like no one came out, no spokesperson came out and said, you know, straight up like, oh, this is what this hat means. So I think there was a little bit of that mystery to that that lent itself to uh, to the viral spread of, of something like that. So, I mean, if you look at the elements of anything that spreads or catches on, you know, there's some element of that, uh, unfortunately anger, that's another one, another activating emotion where people are angry about something that, that generates a lot of shares. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it, those are th- things to keep an eye out for, but you could try a thousand things. Um, I'm sure, you know, it's, it's something you deal with every day. It's, you, you could try a thousand things and none of them go viral. And then this one thing, you know, for whatever reason, just right time, all the right elements, a uh, little bit of luck, you know, right person sees it and then frames it in the right way. Um, so I think I mean, I think we were able to trace or I was able to trace it back to like one TikTok user. I think that was like the first time it it appeared in uh, in sort of like the public consciousness. And um, and and it was just like the right framing, too, in that moment, like if that person didn't it uh, didn't frame the hat the right way or didn't didn't speak about it in the right way then it probably wouldn't have gone any anywhere Uh, but the the way that they framed it was was humorous in their own right too right they had their own approach they did it in a very um way that uh, a way that was very consistent with how things on spread on tiktok as well so like Mm -hmm. if if that hadn't happened which no one has any control over right like once stuff is out there in the universe you don't have any control over it. you kind of just have to go okay here let's see what happens and uh, that's that's what happened right so let it let it free.
0: <laughs> so. Thank you so much for coming on the show. How can people follow you? How can people learn more about Publitics? Uh, Where do we go from here?
1: Sure, you can check out our website, uh, uh You can check me out on LinkedIn. Um, using LinkedIn a lot, uh, trying to be less online on some of these other other platforms. So I find LinkedIn to be pretty uh, pretty productive. So you can find me uh, Matt Creighton on there, uh, Publitix On there, we try to post stuff that's uh, that's helpful. Uh, you mm. know, sometimes so. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's where you can find me. Great.
0: Well, thank you so much, and uh, best of luck, and hopefully uh, you can come back on the show again sometime.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
0: PR360 was produced by Todd Perry in partnership with Global Results Communications. Be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review wherever you get podcasts. Follow GRC on all socials at Global Results. Follow Todd on Twitter at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D.